Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. Hello, my friends. Welcome aboard. Welcome back to the Bible Live broadcast. My name is Soapy Dollar. Tonight we'll be finishing up the great book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13. We've already read most of chapter 10. We'll pick up there at verse 32. Finish the book of Hebrews tonight and then go on back to the Old Testament, back to the Hebrew Scriptures, picking up there with the books of Ezekiel and Daniel After the time of the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C., we've read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, those books that led up to the destruction of the temple and the immediate reaction, the immediate situation following with the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah is grieving over Jerusalem, the capital city being destroyed and burned and torn down and more and more people being taken into exile over into Babylon. Now, with the books of Ezekiel and Daniel, we will follow the experiences of those who were taken into exile over into Babylon, seeing what God was still communicating to the Jewish people who were taken into exile. But right now, let's center our mind on the book of the Hebrews, a book written for men and women who were heartfelt, deep, sincere Jewish believers in Jehovah, in the revelation that God had given of himself in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures. And now they have come into the full-blown light of Jesus the Messiah. The Messiah has come. The book opened up. Now God has come in the full-blown light of day. He has revealed himself by his very Son who has come to reveal to us the Father, but also to carry out a plan of redemption on our behalf. Now it's not a new plan. He is the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. This is always God's plan. It always was. Everything in the Old Testament, as we noted last night, according to the book of Hebrews that we're reading, pointed to Messiah, pointed to Jesus. And it is a very, very powerful book for that reason. We'll get to that in just a bit. But right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. We're making our way through the Proverbs right now. Proverbs 27, 15 through 27. A nagging wife is as annoying as the constant dripping on a rainy day. 
Trying to stop her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or hold something with greased hands. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Workers who tend a fig tree are allowed to eat its fruit. In the same way, workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. You cannot separate fools from their foolishness, even though you grind them like grain with mortar and pestle. Know the state of your flocks, and put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be secure for the next generation. After the hay is harvested, the new crop appears, and the mountain grasses are gathered in. Your sheep will provide wool for clothing, and your goats will be sold for the price of a field. And you will have enough goat's milk for you, your family, and your servants. End of reading, Proverbs 27, 15 through 27. Oh, hail King Jesus, oh, hail King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. What a message, what a gospel is ours. And that, of course, is the theme of the book of Hebrews. The superiority, the all-sufficiency of the plan of God, the plan of redemption that God has carried out. We don't know if there's life on other planets or not. We don't know about that. This book doesn't go into that. But it does talk to us about God creating this world and creating the human beings that populate this planet. God has created us so that he can call out of the human race a people for himself, a people that would choose him. That's the essence of love. We choose to acknowledge, revere, worship, to serve, to obey, to honor, and glorify the creator of the universe. God has created us with that possibility of knowing him, and he has made a provision so that we can be reconciled to him. Tonight we're going to be talking about the superiority of faith on the Bible life. Hebrews 10.32-13.25 through 13.25. Hebrews 10 Don't ever forget those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew you had better things waiting for you in eternity. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord, no matter what happens. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. For in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay, and a righteous person will live by faith. But I will have no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn their backs on God and seal their fate. We have faith that assures our salvation. 
Hebrews 11. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. God gave His approval to people in the days of old because of their faith. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us because of his faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Suddenly he disappeared because God took him. But before he was taken up, he was approved as pleasing to God. So you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that there is a God and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never happened before. By his faith he condemned the rest of the world and was made right in God's sight. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in a tent. And so did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that Sarah, together with Abraham, was able to have a child, even though they were too old and Sarah was barren. Abraham believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man, Abraham, who was too old to have any children, a nation with so many people that like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these faithful ones died without receiving what God had promised them, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed the promises of God. They agreed that they were no more than foreigners and nomads here on earth, and obviously people who talk like that are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had meant the country they came from, they would have found a way to go back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a heavenly city for them. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, though God had promised him Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And, in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac blessed his two sons, Jacob and Esau. He had confidence in what God was going to do in the future. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. And it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently spoke of God's bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was so sure of it that he commanded them to carry his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid of what the king might do. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of the Messiah than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the great reward that God would give him. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. He was not afraid of the king. Moses kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians followed, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho seven days, and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, did not die with all the others in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Well, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some were mocked, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning, and some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us that would also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him, so that you don't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his children? He said, My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. And don't be discouraged when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes those he accepts as his children. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, 
it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children after all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our heavenly Father and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us, because it means we will share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. Try to live in peace with everyone and seek to live a clean and holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you will miss out on the special favor of God. Watch out that no bitter root of unbelief rises up among you. For whenever it springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. He traded his birthright as the oldest son for a single meal. And afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance even though he wept bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai when God gave them his laws. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice with a message so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge of all people. And you have come to the spirits of the redeemed in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which graciously forgives instead of crying out for vengeance as the blood of Abel did. See to it that you obey God, the one who is speaking to you. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, how terrible our danger if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, His voice shook the earth. But now He makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that the things on earth will be shaken, so that only eternal things will be left. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Hebrews 13. Continue to love each other with true Christian love. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Don't forget about those in prison. Suffer with them as though you were there yourself. Share the sorrow of those being mistreated as though you feel their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. 
God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. That is why we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who first taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives, and trust the Lord as they do. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor, not from ceremonial rules about food which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the temple on earth have no right to eat. Under the system of Jewish laws, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. But the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates in order to make his people holy by shedding his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our city in heaven, which is yet to come. With Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of His name. Don't forget to do good and to share what you have with those in need, for such sacrifices are very pleasing to God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they know they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything we do. I especially need your prayers right now so that I can come back to you soon. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with all you need for doing His will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ all that is pleasing to Him. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting covenant, signed with his blood. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, please listen carefully to what I have said in this brief letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy is now out of jail. If he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Give my greetings to all your leaders and to the other believers there. The Christians from Italy send you their greetings. May God's grace be with you all. End of reading Hebrews 10:32 through 13:25. My Savior loves, my Savior I'm just taking a few notes here myself about chapter 11, the faith chapter of the Bible, just like 1 Corinthians 13 is often referred to as the love chapter. Hebrews 11 is the roll call of the faithful. It's not an entire review of the Old Testament, but it goes back through Cain and Abel. It mentions Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses is there, Joseph is there. A good who's who of the Old Testament. Rahab the prostitute is there, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, some of the judges, some of the kings, David, Samuel, the priest prophet. And all of these, of course, are there to demonstrate the superiority of faith. God chose to reveal himself to the human race 
and he chose faith as the means by which we bring his truth, by which we bring spiritual reality, redemption, salvation, every good and perfect thing that God has designed for us as human beings. We bring it into our life experience, into our reality, through the medium of faith. Faith is the coinage of the realm here, not religious ritual, not conforming to a long list of do's and don'ts. That's why he said that Jesus is superior to the law, to the priest, to the prophets, to Moses himself. Why faith? One is that every human being on planet Earth has faith. We function here on planet Earth by faith. You sit in a chair, you're expressing faith. Balance your checkbook, go to the Internet. Everything is based on faith and believing someone or believing in something or in someone Everything is on faith. We believe the sun's going to come up the next. When we throw our legs over the edge of the bed, we believe the floor is going to stay in one place and hold us up. Now, sometimes there's an earthquake and kind of shakes up our faith. Faith is a common commodity. It's not a matter so much of wish I had your faith. It's in whom or in what do we place our faith. Faith brings us to the end of ourself. It's based on brokenness and on humility. There's no pride or arrogance in human accomplishment in God's plan. We are broken. We are humble. And we come to God and depend and trust and rely upon Him. Faith also goes to our true motives. Faith has to be demonstrated. Faith has a fruit of obedience. It's faith obedience that the Bible is speaking of. Not just intellectual assent, intellectually believing something or saying a creed. But do we truly believe and trust in God? And that will be demonstrated by our obedience. So faith goes to the heart, to our motive, to the depth of our being and demonstrates if there is a true desire for God to follow Him and love Him and obey Him and get to know Him. Finally, faith is founded on God, not on ourselves. His love, His power, His faithfulness to us, not on our human accomplishment. So when we truly do abandon ourselves to God and die to our own selfish opinions and desires and thoughts and ideas, our own selfish will, when we die to ourself and surrender our heart and mind and life to Christ, then we're on a firm foundation. He will not fail, ever. He will redeem us, and he'll get us to glory. Just notice tonight, we have no record of Timothy's imprisonment, but we do know that he was in prison because it states here in this last chapter of Hebrews that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. I guess that was a prerequisite for being a strong Christian leader in the first century is that you had to spend your time in jail, right? hope that's a little bit of comfort to the men and women who listen to the Bible live from jails and prisons across South Texas. Now, I'm sure Timothy was there, maybe for a different reason, but uh, there is life after that imprisonment. God can still use your life, and he, he will use you there, and He will use you when you're released. Well, make Christ the beginning and ending of your faith. To grow in maturity, center your life on Him. Don't depend on religious rituals, not falling back into sin, not trusting in our own strength. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live PO Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas. 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. 
Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.